Always be selling. Always be selling. And people laugh about that, but I go, you do not know who's in a room. You do not know where you're at. Be, you know, live and breathe your product. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and our next guest, Ira Kaganowski-Green, is the founder and owner of Free Brands, Inc. Inspired by her three friends who were diagnosed with breast cancer and were told to switch to natural products, Ira got to work in her kitchen to create a line of natural cosmetics for her friends. Since then, the brand grew significantly and is now offered in over 300 spas across the United States. I'm so glad to have Ira join me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Ira, thank you for joining me today on InFactor. I'm really excited to have you here. I've, I'm excited to hear about your products and your experience developing Freedom Brands and really looking forward to this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I thank you for reaching out to us and thinking we're cool enough to be on your show. Sure. <laughs> so you started your company in around 2015, 2016, after having a long career in financial services. Tell us what led you into entrepreneurship and what made you take the jump from financial services into a natural deodorant product. Wow. Can you find more polar opposites right there? So I should state though, the last 12 years of being financial advisor, I was actually the owner of my own RIA firm. So little did I know it was a little bit of an entrepreneurship there. And I say a little bit in a sense of, I didn't really have to create products or anything. It was all made for me. But, you know, I worked for my big firms was Ford, Merrill Lynch and Citigroup. I mean, how do you jump from that, you know, a massive ship? to a deodorant. And what happened was I had three friends diagnosed with breast cancer. And I didn't realize what kept coming back was it's not just what you put in your body, it's what you put on your body. And I didn't realize that antiperspirants were drugs by the FDA. And after I wouldn't let my daughters wear that, my friends switched. And I went to switch to a natural deodorant. And it was a horrible experience that led me a year into buying every natural deodorant on the market and literally I either smelled like a tree or <laughs> I got a rash or <laughs> they were ugly and I had to hide them under my counter because I'm kind of snobby about my products. It, they, they didn't work. And a friend of mine said, well, just make one because it's that easy to make. And I made my first batch and went, oh my gosh, I can make this so much better. And I became obsessed. And I think every entrepreneur will tell you it's not an itch, it's a burn. You know, I went to bed thinking about packaging and scents and everything else, and I had to wake up with the stock market, right? Like it didn't right. make sense. And so I fell in love with it. And I knew, I knew from the first bash that I made that I had to kiss financial services goodbye eventually. That's really exciting. So right there in your home, you developed yeah. your, your initial recipe and put it together and did that. You know, I interviewed someone recently who's written a book about when to know when to leave. And he said the same thing. You know, the name of his book is Quit to Start. And it's basically figuring out when to leave that other job 
He said, you'll know. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. Now, we were talking a little bit before we started this about today's situation. We're in the midst of the pandemic. And you've said before, and I heard you say today, that opportunities are everywhere. And we're often just too scared to see them. And in a situation like today with with a global pandemic, do you see opportunities for entrepreneurs? Oh, my gosh. Where do we begin? They're everywhere. I mean, you know, they really are everywhere. This is a great time. You're stuck at home, right? Great time to educate yourself on stuff. You want to start an e-commerce store? There's so many great trainings out there. They're free. People want you to start doing stuff. If you want to create a product, you're at home. I created my product in my kitchen. Buyers, if you wanted to get into different stores, hotels, probably not stores right now, depending on what market you're in, but like we're in the hotel, hospitality industry, uh, spa, these buyers are at home. They're furloughed, but they're going to be going back to work. And guess what? They're not as busy as they used to be. So they'll pick up the phone for you. They'll have a conversation with you, more of a conversation than you've ever been able to have with them. You could educate people at this point. If you've got a product that has an education piece to it, people are willing to listen. Do the videos, do Zoom. It's so easy to get in front of people right now. And I had a sales gal we ended up furloughing, and the first thing she said to me was, I can't get anyone on the phone. Nobody's going to have time. Everybody's freaked out. I think that's two schools of thought. You could even either be in the freaked out part with everyone else, okay? Or you could be in the how do we get through this together part. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's one of the things I found even with the podcast that I'm able to talk to a lot of people that may not have had had the time before. So lots of opportunity in the middle of any crisis, I think. You talked about starting off basically in your home, in your kitchen. You now operate in over 300 locations across the country. Congratulations. That's that's great. Now, how did you get your first, yeah. How did you get your first product out to market and how challenging was it? And what did you do to get that first sale? Yeah, okay. You are going to laugh. This is the funniest story. Okay. So we're in Vegas, right? And what do we have in Las Vegas? So, and by the way, when we talk about opportunity, look at what you have around you. First of all, assess your situation always. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything about retail except for the stores that I shopped, but I knew that the buyers and corporate offices weren't here. So what I do have in my backyard is the strip, which is hotels, resorts, and spas. And I love a spa. Again, I said I was snobby. I do love a good spa. So I took a little baggie. I will remember this. It was actually my kids' lunch boxes that they used. It was gray striped with pink zipper on top. And, but it was insulated. That's why I took it. And it was on a hot day, <laughs> filled it with deodorants. <laughs> and I walked down the Vegas Strip and I walked into almost every property and I knocked on the spa door and I said, can I speak to your spa director? I know you guys don't carry any natural deodorants here. One in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer. I think these are your clients. I think this should be on your shelf. And they said, there's the door. Bye-bye. Please don't come back. We're not interested. Spas do not need to carry deodorants or Hyatt or sell them. We have a deodorant in the back. Nobody knew what was in it, by the way. Of course. We're not interested, right? Bye-bye. So that happened 19 times. And on the 20th time was 
<laughs> was the very last property, which if anybody's been to Vegas, they know it's, it's the Four Seasons that's located in the downstairs of Mendeley Bay. It's actually the top floors, but the spa's downstairs. And beyond that, there's nothing there. Okay, so this is my last shot, right? So I walk in with this little baggie. I'm exhausted. I've been told no by everybody. I said, I'm not leaving until your spa director comes out. And they're like, we have security. We will escort you out. And I said, listen, just give me a shot. You know, I met her a long time ago. Just tell, please, just please, just let me just talk to her. And I was pretty much begging at this point. And so Shannon was kind enough to come out. And she said to me, she goes, your packaging is ugly. And it's like calling my baby ugly, right? <laughs> but wait a minute. I saw the opportunity in that. She didn't tell me no. She criticized my packaging. And I said to her, wait a minute. Are you telling me if I had better looking packaging that you would give me a PO? She goes, absolutely. That's a yes. That's great news. Yeah. And not only is that a yes, but that's the four seasons. Like, whoa, set the bar high, right? And once the four seasons puts in a PO, which by the way, they sold out in three days on their first PO. Okay. And they loved it. And I said to them, please tell your friends, because I know you're a spa director and your other friend is a spa director. Your other friend is a spa director. And before you know it, it was like wildfire. You know, if the four, if you're good enough for the four seasons, boom. And that's, that's really how it happened. Yeah. That's and I used it to our advantage. It wasn't just word of mouth. I, every person I talked to afterwards, and I said, we're carried at the four seasons. Oh, that, okay. That's exciting. Now, today we're dealing with a lot of supply chain issues. And I wonder, you know, you went from not selling any to all of a sudden this thing explodes. Did you run into any issues with getting product and supply chain at that time? You know what? I did and I didn't. I think my biggest issue was cash flow at that time because supply chain, especially for our product, is like it's almost we need a six month runway just from the time we order bottles that need to be shipped. By the time we make the formulas to the manufacturers, the manufacturers won't start until they get the bottles. So you've got six to eight weeks on bottles. You have eight to 10 weeks on manufacturing. Okay. So you're already out four months. And you put all the money out for this and paid for it before you've really sold anything. And then when you sell it, you have a net 30 before they pay you. So you're looking at a six-month window. Supply chain wasn't too difficult for me because I understood MOQs, which is minimum order quantities. We always hit those minimum order quantities. I didn't pretend I knew enough about it. So I found other brands and I would pick their brains all the time. How do you do this? What do you work with? Who do you work with? Who's your shipping guy? Who's this? So I asked a lot of questions and not everybody was looking for this deodorant bottle. It's not typical. So I didn't have too much trouble finding this. And these are regular bottle bottles. So we, we didn't go too far off the realm. And then we also ended up creating the mold for our small guy too. So it wasn't difficult. Our biggest issue was the cash flow of how to manage a process. So cash is a big issue for many entrepreneurs. Cash is really king. And so that was, that was an issue you had to deal with in the early days. But fortunately, you came from a finance background. So I'm hoping that was helpful. No, it actually wasn't, believe it or not. I had a couple things working against me. I'm a woman. 
And I hate to say that, but it's true. If I had a dollar for every time I had an investor say to me, well, I'll ask my wife what she wears. And I looked at him and I said, that's weird. Your wife makes your investment decisions for your VC firm. How many times I had other women that were absolutely perfect to invest with us say, oh no, I, I give money to charity. And I said, well, can I get in front of your husband then and talk to him about this? And she said, as long as you don't talk about money. Found that odd. Yeah, yeah. Had that a lot. It was really frustrating. Or I would get the pat on the back of, well, you know how to do this. And I'm like, but it's totally different. I invested people's money and that was different than being a startup. And everybody's like, well, you're so smart. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, and people are throwing money into the, all these startups all around me. Cause these guys are walking in going, we're going to do 200 million in the first year. Right. And I would show them that, Hey, listen, we did half a million the first year and we actually made a little money, but we didn't spend it on marketing. It was more knocking on doors and really getting our distribution sound. We kind of, what we did, and this was the biggest issue I think that we ran into is we actually created a solid foundation first, as opposed to spending all our money on Facebook ads, which bit us in the butt when it came to fundraising, because people said, well, we did $2 million in revenue. What people didn't see was that they spent $1.9 million on marketing. And we kind of did the opposite. We actually made revenue without really spending money on marketing, which I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do, but we had, it was super tough. My financial background actually led to people dismissing us because they figured I already knew how to do this. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So it sounds like sales has been an integral part of what you've done. And I know for most entrepreneurs, you know, we encourage our students to, at the university to really focus on developing some selling skills. And those were important to you in, in what you did with financial services, as well as with building your company. Can you talk a little bit about some sales advice? Do you have any general advice for our listeners about selling? Always be selling. Always be selling. And people laugh about that, but I go, you do not know who's in a room. You do not know where you're at. Be, you know, live and breathe your product. I remember the guys from Harry's Shave Club, not Dollar Shave, Harry's, yeah, from Harry's, the razor brand. They they had an interview with one guy. He's like, I talked about my company 24-7. If I was at a coffee shop, if I was somewhere here, I was so, he was, that's all it was. And it just kind of took over and always be selling. And I think people think of sales as such a negative, yet we get sold every day, right? Influencers are salespeople. They get paid for it. They do. I don't care if anybody says there's free influencers, not the ones we've seen. We have, you know, my kids are salespeople trying to get me to do things. You know, selling makes the world go round. Sales makes the world go round. News is sales, right? So everything around it, and I I choose to look at the positive of sales. What can you add to me that's going to make me feel better, smell better, eat better, right? A diet is a sale, right? Somebody's going to sell you on it. So I don't look at it at the negative. I'm like, it's going to happen. Is this something that's going to benefit me or not? And if it does, great, sell me. 
I'm yeah, in. So, so uh, you're providing value to your customers and just mm-hmm. telling them about it. I love that. So we were talking a few minutes ago about this pandemic and about opportunities. What kind of opportunities has it presented for your company? And have there been any changes for your company during this past six weeks or so that we've been in isolation and social distancing? Oh my goodness. It has been night and day in the last six weeks, which I couldn't be more thankful for. I'm very sorry for anybody who's been sick or had to deal with this horrible, you know, virus. And, but for, on a business standpoint for us, it's made us pivot quite a bit. And, you know, between learning furloughing processes, between learning how to pivot, how to deal with supply chain in a very, very difficult market for supply chains because now everybody wants the bottles that we had no problem getting before. We pivoted to sanitizers. We have a full line. We literally introduced a full line within a week and a half, which was unbelievable. Nobody can believe it. And I'm like, listen, we had bottles. We had a lot of this stuff. We just had to change the formulas a little bit more. We started working with different manufacturers, different bottlers, different distillers. You know, I know more about alcohol than I've ever wanted to know in my life. And that includes, we got FDA approved, you know, as a facility. I mean, so we really pivoted. And what happened was, you know, where before we were working with the spas and resorts, which is fine and nice. Now we've got massive hotels coming to us. We've got massive, you know, industries that we, we were only hopeful to get into. I'm having conversations with on the phone. They're taking my calls now. Not only are they taking my calls, but they're hopefully knock on wood, we'll be announcing something in the next week that is completely the biggest deal we've ever had, we've ever had in this company. That's exciting. So this is not a pause time for you at all. This is the time to make K while the sun shines, right? <laughs> so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to use a different term, but that, there's some bad words in there. So Yeah. <laughs> but, you're, but, you know, it's really interesting because you're right. There has been a lot of suffering and loss, but from, you know, from an opportunity perspective and a business perspective, there's been some really interesting opportunities out there. And kudos to you and your team for stepping up and taking advantage of them. I'm, I'm really excited for you. You know, we talk a lot in entrepreneurship about perseverance, hard work, resilience, those, that mindset that entrepreneurs develop to keep them going. And you're the mom, I think, of three beautiful daughters. I saw a picture online, which are beautiful young women. And I was just wondering, has entrepreneurship and that mindset that comes along with it been, been something that's actually influenced your parenting in any way? Do you feel like you're passing that on to your daughters? So, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I had, I had my own firm and, you know, I worked for these big companies before and my kids were like, eh. You know, and for the last three years, I have been the first one invited for career day at their school and they couldn't be prouder. They're totally a part of this company. They box stuff when they're on vacation. They're, they work for me two days a week. They're always boxing something at home. Probably, you know, when we first started, they were having their friends over and putting labels on our products back in the day. So they're full on a part of it to the point where my daughter Stella had this project where she had to create a product and she had to take it to market. And the teacher sent me an email and said, you know, she should probably ace this, right? Because I'm like, look who her mom is, right? And so I said, Stella, I go, hey, let me help you with this. And my daughter looked at me and she was, 
you don't know what you're talking about. I got this. I was like, oh, of course, what do I know? And but she felt so confident in having been around me while we were going through this process that she felt like it was old hat, yeah. um, which is great yeah. for me. And maybe I'll save money on college. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But I don't think my parenting style has gotten better, though. I will say in a sense of I find myself, you know, that whole balancing thing that people talk about, I don't think it exists. I'm also a single parent. I'm lucky enough that my ex-husband and I have a great relationship that we co-parent together. But I, I kick myself. I'm really, I feel like I'm not as good of a mom as some of the other moms I see. And that's really hard for me. You know, I don't go to the PTAs. I have absolutely no idea what the name of all their teachers are. I definitely don't sit down and do homework with my kids. I really don't. And I'll tell you what, because my parents never did either. And it was kind of all, every man for himself. And I truly believe that when you learn how to figure things out yourself, instead of relying on somebody else, that's teaching the man to fish as opposed to giving him a fish. So I'm hoping that that's actually better for them. But I kick myself. I wish I wasn't as tired to hang out with my kids all the time, you know, but I am. I'm tired a lot. And I'm, I'm frustrated when I get home sometimes. And I do still try to cook dinner and I still try to be super mom. And it's hard. And I think they see that on me. I mean, they've come up to me a couple of times. They're like, you need a hug. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> you know, that sounds like they're empathetic. You know, it, it's interesting, Ira, because you and I have a lot in common. My mom was my entrepreneurial muse and really inspired me. And I grew up working in her business. She was a florist. And it was just, it was great for me because she instilled this mindset that, it's okay to make mistakes. And in fact, her, one of her favorite sayings was, if I'd never made a mistake, I didn't do anything. And so it enabled me to be more action-oriented and maybe a little bit more risk, more of a risk taker. And, you know, I've lived an entrepreneurial life and my children are a little older than yours. And I felt the same thing as you. I was a single mom also working, building career and building a business at one point in my life. And and it, the guilt is, is tough for us, I think. But I look now at my children and I feel like that, like you said, there's a lot to be said for them building their own confidence in their ability without us following them around and doing everything for them. So we all have different paths, but I feel your pain. I know it can be a challenge, but at the same time, you know, my children tell me now they learned a lot from that experience. I'm hoping, you know, I will say one thing, my kids are super independent and I watch them now and it kind of gives me pride because they kind of do their thing and they've got their own opinions and you know what I mean? It's, it's cool when you see your kids turn into themselves, right? Yep. Not, not carbon copies of each other, but themselves. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> but as a mom, you know, you're just... You know, I read these entrepreneur magazines and it's usually the men getting questioned and they're like, we try to make it home for dinner, you know, or they leave at five o'clock in the morning to go work out or go to the office. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Who feeds your kids? Right. Who, I like, I, I really want these guys to give praise to their wives because they really don't realize how much work that is, that extra hat to wear. So yeah, it's, it's been one I'm definitely working with. You know, I just, I just, I guess my goal in life is not to screw my kids up too much. <laughs> Which is probably true for all of us as parents, regardless of what the situation is. 
Well, congratulations. I know you've really done a lot as an amazing businesswoman and a mom. One of the, you know, one of the things that has helped me along the way sometimes are other resources like books, podcasts, apps. Have you, do you have anything in, along that line that has helped you along the way? Like yes. you're helping our listeners today? Oh my gosh, yes. So my favorite podcast is How I Built This. Oh, I could listen to How I Built These Stories all day long. They inspire me. They, they drive me. They make me feel sane because, you know, some of the stories that they talk about and I love hearing people's stories. I think everybody's got their own story. And I love hearing about when the when it's the hardest time, what they did, how they got back. Because it's you're right, you're 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 gonna make mistakes, right? But the difference I think between a successful entrepreneur and a non-successful one is get up. What are you gonna do now? Right? How do we figure this out? And I love hearing stories like that. Those just make my day. I love a good podcast. I really do. That podcast inspired me as well as we were thinking about launching Impactor. Let me ask you, one of the questions I like to ask our guests is about the very question you're talking about. And that is, you know, were there any times along the way where you were faced with severe obstacles, failure, other challenges that led you to want to give up? And Are what you did you do about that? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, as an entrepreneur, that's like every other day. You know, you're like, that's it. I give up. I'm done. You know, I'm like, this is it. This is it. I think the one that I remember fondly, because I think after this one, it just you just kind of laugh at the rest of them. Really, we had our first major deodorant order in our manufacturer. We, this is our first commercial manufacturer that we used because before, you know, our first year, we actually did them ourselves in a commercial kitchen and everything. And we ordered 20,000 units. It's like seven. And yeah, it was about 20,000 units. We got 17,600 in something like that. So we had some scrap and they came in and none of them actually hit the elevator of the, of the bottle, which means it was missing like 20% of the product. And we have all these labels that say 1.9 or 1.7 and it had like 1.5 in there. So we were lying or we had to get new labels. And by the way, labels are super expensive or it felt like there was nothing in here. Like it felt so light. I can't even tell you. It felt like it was empty. So we had 17,600 and some odd units. We just spent, you know, so much money on those. And I've got orders from Four Seasons and Canyon Ranch and all these high-end spas that you do not want to piss off. And I have no product for them. And I have no money because I just spent all that money. And I remember standing in our warehouse, we had this big new warehouse and we had no money. And I thought, huh, I can't throw these away. Right. I can't, what are you going to do through? I mean, these were pallets upon pallets of deodorant and I am not a big waster. I don't think it's right. And I thought, well, whoops, you know, I, I don't know why this popped in my head. And I was like, well, that's a big oops. Like that's a big oops on my part. Like how did we not specify that it had to hit this elevator? Right. 
And I took a deep breath. I walked around outside for a minute and I came back and I thought, oh my God, that's right. This is our ropes line. And my guys go, what, what are you talking about? I go, let's discount these. We're still, we still have great margins. Let's put it on our website for 50% off. What a great way for people to test it out. Let's talk to TJ Maxx because they, they love defects, right? Let's see how many of these we could sell to them and they could sell it in Canada and Saskatchewan. So our, our buyers here, you know, at the, the major resorts don't see them. Right. And they'll be gone like that because, you know, 17,000 units for them, that's in a week. They could sell that in a week, in a day, probably. I said, but on our website, give people an opportunity to buy them 50% off. They're only missing 20% of the product. It's brand new product. People could test it out and try it. They could save money. And it has been such a success for us. The Oops products brought us in so many new people on e-commerce, you know, and we were able to play the price battle too. So we still had our luxury line and we had the Oops line. So, but it didn't feel like that at first. And now people come to us and they're like, that was freaking genius. And I'm like, well, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, little do they see the heart attack I was having that day, the walk that I had to take, the not sleeping till we figured out how we were going to do this. It didn't feel like genius at the time. I'll tell you that. We just got really lucky. Well, yeah, you know, but the most creative solutions usually come out of the biggest problems. So, Ira, where did you come up with the name Freedom? How did you develop that? Because that's okay. a great name for your products. So that was a totally stolen name, and I'll tell you about that in a second. Can I tell you my hummingbird story really quick? Yes, please do. <laughs> okay, so our logo is a hummingbird, right? So it says Freedom. It's a hummingbird. That's our trademark. It's such a cool story. Okay, so five years ago, I was getting a divorce, and I was kind of freaking out. It was one of those moments where my whole identity kind of fell apart and I had these three young girls and I just didn't know where to focus, what to do. And my friends took me to a Red Mountain spot in St. George, Utah, right outside of Vegas. And we're exercising, we're hiking, we're doing everything. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like crying every minute. It, it was really tough. And I, I saw they had a tea leaf reader. And I booked an appointment and I'm like, somebody needs to tell me my future because I don't know what's going on. I'm a strong person, but everybody has their limits. Right. And I went to see the tea leaf reader and she flips the tea glass, right. And reads the leaves. And she says to me, Oh my gosh, she goes, that's beautiful. You got a hummingbird. And I thought, what? I just paid you $200 to give me my future. And you gave me a hummingbird. What is wrong with this picture? And I am absolutely a mess at this point. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. Fine, whatever. And as I'm leaving, she says, listen, she goes, your hummingbird's going to bring you your freedom. Wow. Okay. Right? <laughs> Did you just get the chills? Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And when I, you know, my friend who showed me how to make the deodorant the first time, she called it the freedom stick. It wasn't trademarked. It wasn't anything. And I'm an immigrant to this country. So freedom is a really big deal for me. So that really hit home. And when we put my hummingbird together, which was, by the way, not me, a friend of mine sent me a picture of a hummingbird. She was, this should be your logo. And all of a sudden that tea leaf reading literally jumped right back into my head. 
and it was about, about two, three years prior to that that I had that reading. And I went, oh my God, she was right. She gave me my future right there and I just didn't see it. And there you go. Wow, that's a great story. I love that. So, you know, we talked a little bit about your, the start for the, of this product. Three of your friends were diagnosed with breast cancer and you're passionate about that mission. And so are you involved in any way now in breast cancer, supporting breast cancer research or, or organizations that support breast cancer? So it's, it's truly my favorite part of this. We partner with Tyler Robinson Foundation, which actually gives back to pediatric breast cancer. And they work with Imagine Dragons, which has been really cool. But there's this place called The Caring Place. And it's actually funded by Nevada Children's Cancer, but it's an adult version. 95% of the people that go in there are, breast cancer, are going through breast cancer treatment. And what it is, it handles the mental aspect of cancer, which nobody talks about. And I think they should. Whenever you go through treatment, you can go there. It's free of charge. And they bring in masseuses. They teach classes how to meditate. They teach classes on how to make jewelry. They sit there. They'll play a puzzle with you. These are all volunteers that will work with you. So you never have to go home and be alone and think about your cancer. You're there amongst other people, other survivors. You're talking to people. You feel normal again. And I think that was the biggest issue when my friends were going through cancer treatments. They didn't feel normal. They went screaming from the top of their lungs. And this is an environment that really makes them feel okay. And I think feeling mentally okay helps in the fight. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. I love that. And I love the mission of what you're doing. I, I'm excited to try out your product. I looked at it online and it looks wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to that. And you've moved into the hand sanitizers. What do you anticipate in the future for your company? Do you have any thoughts on where you're headed next? You know, we, I always had a pretty strong vision of the company of wanting to grow it to a certain level and sell it to the Estee Lauder's Cody's of the world, you know, and I've always envisioned it not as a deodorant company, but a bath and body company. I didn't want to stick to one product, even though we had people tell us to stick to one product. That wasn't what I found freedom to be because I think freedom is such a powerful word and it means so many different things. And I think right now, you know, our ideal client is somebody who's super busy, who's passionate about being healthy and making right decisions for themselves, but don't always have time to follow every blogger in the world, right? So we want to make great, effective, night, you know, great smelling, beautiful products that are clean. So you don't even have to think about it. You already know that if it's a freedom product, it's a clean product, right? But I also want them to be effective. So you know, if you're using a freedom product, it's an effective product. It's one less thing for you to worry about. It's your own personal freedom, right? Who doesn't need a little freedom in the world? And it comes down to even when you're at the grocery store, you're reading labels and you're doing this and you're not sure about this or you're looking it up. I want to be a company that you see the hummingbird and you know, you know, it's okay. I love so, that. Yeah. I mean, that's what freedom is, right? It's one less thing to worry about. I have my freedom. So I see us definitely being a big bath and body company. You know, sanitizers are definitely part of the body piece of it. We released <laughs> Before the sanitizers, we were going to release the shower mist, and we kind of slowly did a, a soft uh, release with it. And it's eucalyptus shower, a pure oil. You can put it right into your shower, and you know it opens up your lungs, makes you feel like a spot home. 
who knows, maybe instead of Calgon, take me away, freedom, take me away. You know, I mean, that could be your, that's our future right there. So. Well, congratulations on that. I'm excited to try all the products. They look wonderful. So one of the questions I love to ask our guests as we begin to wrap this up is, if you had one piece of advice that you could leave with our listeners today, what would it be? Trust yourself. Surround yourself with good people. And that's not always positive people. You could have some negative people. (laughs) Don't listen to your family. (laughs) I love my family, but they're super cautious on everything. But what I tend to... And this is my fault, I think, too. Again, being the woman, you know, I listened to some guys that tried to tell me they knew everything and I didn't trust my own gut. And every single time I did that, it bit me in the butt. So trust yourself. You got into this. Does your gut tell you to get into this? You got this. It's okay. That's great. Thank you. So where can our readers find you and Freedom Products? Oh my goodness. So freedom is freedomdeodorant.com but, or Freedom DEO on Facebook and Instagram. It's Freedom Deodorant. On Twitter, it's Freedom DEO, short for deodorant. So if you, basically, if you type in Freedom Deodorant into anywhere like Google, you'll see our website almost immediately. Reach out to us. Say hi. We love influencers. We, yeah, we, we have a great affiliate program too. So especially, you know, the college students that are affiliate, you know, that are influencers right now, they can make a little extra money. So we love that. So just email us, reach out to us, say hi, tell us how you love your freedom. Tell us where you take your freedom. Tell us where you put your freedom. That's always interesting. Um, (laughs) So that's Freedom Deodorant. Thank you, Era, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I appreciate it. And one day we'll, we'll meet. Say hi. I hope so. 